0: Alright, if you have your Bible, get it open to Luke chapter 15. We'll be there in just a second as we finish off the prodigal story. Uh, we are continuing, continuing on in our sermon series called Songs of the Heart, looking at the way that Psalms connects up with Scripture and also our life. It's sort of a playlist uh, of our lives, of our um, faith. And so we're using a lot of uh, songs, we're using a lot of Psalms as we go through this sermon and connecting them all together. So the bottom line up front, the main idea is this. We are willing to give up on people. We are willing to give up on people, but God doesn't. God loves you despite your mistakes. In fact, that is why God sent his son, Jesus Christ. God doesn't give up on us. All right, so some of you know this song. You can start singing it if you want, but I'm not going to sing because I am a horrible singer. At least that's what my wife tells me. And... Here's the lyrics that says, you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. And there's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. And you're trying hard not to show it, but baby, baby, I know it. And you know the rest of it. Some of you are th- thinking this song right now, you're like, I'm going to sing it. It goes, you lost that love and feeling, whoa, that love and feeling. You lost that love and feeling, and now it's gone, gone. Gone, whoa, whoa, whoa! Righteous Brothers, 1967, right? Great song, and some of us have been in relationships like that before, where we know that things aren't quite right. You know, our, our um, significant other or our boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, um, they just don't love us anymore. They don't love us like they used to. That the fire is gone, the passion is gone. That's what he's talking about here, and and today I'm not going to talk about romantic love. For other people i'm going to more talk more about like just regular liking other people loving other people being in relationship with other people and we can lose that love for other people for uh humanity in general you know there's there's times in my life where i lose my love toward other people and in fact i i was thinking about this my my times in life are usually when i'm driving um i'm a very self-righteous driver meaning i think that i'm right You know, and I I think that like if you're doing things that are dumb, you shouldn't be rewarded for that. That's just who I am. And so when I'm at a a place where it's like you're at a stop sign or a stop light, and it's going to merge in in, in a little bit, you know, that lane is going to merge into one, and I'm in the correct lane, you know, the one that doesn't end, even though the one right next to me does, if there's somebody who pulls up right beside me, I am not going to let them have that spot they're not going to be able to get in front of me i'll put it that way because i'm going to uh, go as quickly as i can when that light turns green so that they cannot cut me off why because i was here first in fact this is my right because i was here first and i'm going to make it extremely difficult for you to get in because i'm a self-righteous driver in that way you should have thought of that before you uh got in the lane that ends but here's the uh, other side to that Um, Some of you know Ittumwa. Most of you probably know Ittumwa pretty well. And there's a spot, there's a four-way stop, um, probably one of the biggest ones there, uh, right by Applebee's. And when you're going forward from from this uh, spot, it will merge into one lane. Now, there's one time a couple years back, and I saw that there was a truck parked at the red light. I'm like, you know what? I can beat that truck. And so I go into the lane that ends, to the left lane, and I see the guy kind of look at me, and he's not having it. Um, and so we, we start going, and this truck, I don't know how it does it, but it starts matching my speed. And I'm, I'm going pretty fast. I'm trying to get ahead of this truck, you know, trying to cut it off. And I'm going faster and faster, and he's matching my speed. We're up to like 40 miles an hour, and then we're up to 50 miles an hour, and then we're up to 60 miles an hour, and I can't get ahead of this guy. I mean, I'm in a Toyota Camry, and he's in a semi-truck, and I have no idea how he's doing this. He must be a NASCAR driver. And I'm like, I'm not going to give up, because if I give up, then I have to basically stop in, in this lane. And, and there's all these cars behind me. So I'm like, I'm going to go faster. And so we go up to maybe 60 miles an hour. I don't know how fast it was because it was getting pretty hairy at this time. My lane is ending, and he is right here. And so finally I floor it. I floor it, and, and I'm going, and I just barely, barely miss the front of his bumper as I pass in front of him. And he is furious. He is furious. In fact, I almost died in this situation. He was not going to let me go over now whose fault was that that was my fault i was i was going into the lane that merged he had the right of way and he was being self-righteous too but self-righteousness it can do a lot of damage if i'm being self-righteous or if he's being self-righteous it could have caused a life why do we do this well it's because we've lost that love and feeling we lost that loving feeling toward our humanity when we think we're better than them, when we think we have the right and they don't. And I think we've all experienced this, especially in our day and age. <clears throat> I think the number one thing where I see uh, that we, we've lost that loving feeling, uh, the number one place where I've seen we've lost that loving feeling is probably politics. You know, it used to be where Democrats and Republicans could talk to each other and they would cut deals. But now that's ended. And, and now all I hear is this, um, there's one party saying that the other party is just a, a terrible human beings. We, we despise them. We hate them. And, and what happened is, is we basically have this huge polarization with in the United States where you're either Democrat or you're Republican and if you say you're independent then what's wrong with you? Choose the side already. Why do we do this? It's because we're self-righteous. We think that our view, our opinion, is the only one that's valid. We we think that we know better than other people. We look down on other people because of their beliefs, because of who they are, what they stand for, whatever. We tend to place ourselves higher than them. You know, John Maxwell he tells a story about um, uh, Grandpa. Grandpa's taking a nap, and his grandkids come over to him, and they put a piece of Limburger cheese, they put it into his mustache. So he he doesn't know it's there, but he wakes up, and he's like, what is that smell? Everything stinks in here. And he goes out into the other room, and the grandpa, he's like, man, this room stinks. And then he goes into another room, and he's like, this room stinks. And then he goes outside, and he's like, everything stinks. What he doesn't know is the stink is on him. And and that's the way that we are when we're self-righteous. We think that everyone else stinks except for us, but really the stink is on us. That's us. We have a tendency to look down on other people when we think we're right. Have you ever had a time in your life where you think you were right and you look down on other people because of that? Well, sure you have. That's human. So as we go through the prodigal son, I want you to pay attention to the self-righteousness of the older brother. And just to kind of give you a recap of where we've been, the younger son in the story basically asks for his inheritance early. So he gets his inheritance, he goes off to a foreign country, spends it all up, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to go back to my father, I'm going to repent, I'm going to say I'm sorry. And the father sees the son coming back at a distance, grabs him, embraces him, and welcomes him home. Basically gives him his status back, gives him his life back. And it's the father's overwhelming love and grace and mercy that that really shines here. But here, we find what the brother thinks of all this. Because the father has just started a party, basically invites everybody around, and this party is a celebration that the son is home. But listen to what the older brother thinks about it. Starting in verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked, What is going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving away for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he is now found. So let's look at the older brother's perspective here. The party that's going on, the party is actually going on on his dime. Think about this. The father has already given away the inheritance to the younger son. So the father has two-thirds left of his property, and everything that the father has is going to go to this older son, which includes this entire lavish party. That'd kind of make you angry, wouldn't it? The son goes away, squanders all the wealth, and then the father uses your future potential money to throw a party for him? The older brother is angry because the younger son is not deserving of this. I mean, think about this. The older son, he's been working for the father. He's been doing everything right. He's, he's been a good, good son. And he has a good reason to be upset you know, the younger son is, is not an upright person. He should not deserve all this stuff. And then we have the religious leaders. The religious leaders um, of the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, you know, they were the ones that Jesus is telling this parable uh, for. And, you know, they're always doing the right thing, right? And they resented Jesus. Why? Because he welcomed the sinners and the tax collectors. And they have good reason for this too. They are following God's rules. They are following all the things that God wants for them to do. They're doing the right thing. Or at least they think they are. But here's the thing. Both the, the brother and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they have lost that loving feeling toward others. And when we look at the story, really what shines is the Father's joy. The father is so happy to have these people come back. The father is so happy to have the younger brother back. Jesus is so happy to welcome the sinners and the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people on the outside. Jesus wants them to be part of his kingdom. And all this does is it infuriates the Pharisees and the father and the para- prodigal story, it infuriates the older brother. Why? Because God, father, We have done everything right. And you're honoring them? Honor us. You know, this goes to the core of Jesus' teachings. Mark 12, verses 30 to 31, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second commandment is this love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. See, we need this sermon today. Because God's love is foreign to us. God's love is alien. It is a shift in thinking. We, we as humans, we see where the older brother is coming from. If you put in the work, if you do everything that's right, if you're trying to do the good, good things and, and, and please your father, and then the father goes and forgives the younger son for going off and squandering the wealth, we're going to be upset. But here's what the father thinks. It is a joy to have my son back. It is a joy to have these sinners with me. See, God loves us so much. And that love is is almost incomprehensible to our finite human minds. So I want to give you three keys to understanding the Father's love. Three keys to understanding the Father's love today. And the first key is this, that God's love doesn't give up. God's love doesn't give up. You know what gives up? The older brother. He gave up on loving the younger son. The older brother did not love the younger son. He, he despised him. As soon as he got that inheritance, as soon as he asked for the inheritance, the older son basically cut ties, I bet. He's like, you know, you are not worth being in this family anymore, and you're taking away your father's wealth, and you're going to go squander it on what? Prostitutes? On, on, um, living uh, this lavish lifestyle in another country man you just don't get it i mean he cut ties with this younger son and the older son he, he just doesn't understand why why father why would you why would you welcome him home you know i i find myself sometimes judging other people That's one of the sins that I I frequently come back to. It's one of my sins I I deal with. I I judge others. And, And sometimes I find this, that the closer I am to another person in a relationship, the more I'm likely to either excuse their sin or the more I'm likely to judge them even more. If I like them, I'll excuse their sin. If I don't like them, I'll judge them more. You ever find yourself doing that? You're okay with the people that you like, but the people that you know that you just can't stand, every little thing you're able to point out and say, well, there's something they did wrong. There's another thing. Man, look at them. They're, they're, they just always make mistakes. They're always doing the wrong thing. How, how could they be so stupid in life? How could they be so dumb? I'm there with you. I do that all the time. And see, that's the problem with sin, is, is that it destroys relationships, You know, like the grandpa story, it's like I'm the one with the cheese on my lip, the stinky cheese, and I think everybody stinks, but I'm okay. But really, the fact is, is that when I start judging people, when I start uh, basically saying they're wrong and I'm right, I'm the one with the stink on me. See, the younger brother, he, he basically, he is a sinner, but he owns up to it. He says, Father, I have made a mistake. I want to come back. I'm going to be your servant from now on. And the older son, he, he hasn't. He hasn't owned up to it. In fact, he's almost in a more compromised position because he's so self-righteous, he can't see the fact that he actually has sin in his life. See, each one of us has unique sins in our lives that make us unlovable. Each one of us does things, says things, behaves in certain ways that just our pet peeves for others. We have a tendency to give up on other people, don't we? We have a tendency to give up on people who who sin, who make mistakes, who lie, who cheat, who who do things over and over again, and we think, come on, can't you just make this can't can't you just do the right thing? Can't you just get over that? You know, can't you you know, and, and we just think, man, they're just horrible human beings. You know, I, I see this so often, but I think one of the, the biggest places I see this in is, is marriages when they start to go sour. Uh, oftentimes what happens is, is over time a marriage will start to sour, and, and we, we see that couples tend to lose hope that the other one will change or be transformed. And I can't tell you how many times I've spoken with people who say words like this, I've done my part. I've tried everything. They'll never change To to understand God's love is is to understand what marriage is truly about. Marriage is this where we do not give up on each other. You know, marriage is one of those intimate relationships where we begin to know intimate details about people. And we get to see really who they are because we live with them day in and day out. And we get to choose to love them despite their sin. Or we get to choose to basically say, you know what, I can't. I'm, I'm going to go. See, one of the keys to understanding the Father's love is that God knows everything about us, and He still loves us. Psalm 139, uh, verse 1 says, You have searched me out, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind, and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful, too lofty for me to attain. You know, there's a, there's a, a song that's done by um, Jesus' culture. It's called One Thing Remains, and it says this, and I, I think this is kind of echoing the psalm. It says, your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. God's love doesn't give up on us, but Why? Why? Because that's the kind of love that God offers. God wants to be with us still. He, He wants a relationship with us. And if God loves us in a way where he knows every little detail about our lives, all the sins, all the weaknesses, all the areas, our deepest, darkest sins that we keep from everybody else, if he knows that about us and he still loves us, shouldn't we love other people in that way too? first key to understanding God's love is this, that God's love doesn't give up, and we, neither should our love. second key to understanding God's love is this, that God's love pursues us. Um, Psalm 39, 139 again, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? From, from your presence. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is light to you. You know, last week um, we, we saw in the prodigal story how, how the son came back. And, and listen to what happened in Luke 20, uh, 15, uh, verse 20. It says, But while he, the younger son, was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. See, the father had been waiting for the son to come back to his senses, and as soon as the son came back, he embraces him. The father is waiting for us to do the same thing. God is pursuing us. In fact, this whole chapter, Luke 15, if you want to read a good chapter in the Bible, read through all of Luke chapter 15 because it's all about God pursuing us. It has the story of the lost sheep, the the story about the the lost coin, and then the prodigal son. You know, when something is lost and it's highly valued, we seek after it. For example, a few years ago, um, we were on the square, my family and I, and it was um, just a, a, a beautiful summer night. Well, uh, we decided that we were going to kind of talk over here, Meredith and I, and the kids wanted to go in the bounce house that was there. And so I said, um, Meredith and I both said to the kids, all right, Parker, Macy, Beckett, you can go over to the bau- bounce house. Parker, and Macy, make sure you watch your brother, okay? S- stick with him. Well, they got over to the bounce house, and apparently Beckett did not want to go in once he got closer. And Parker and Macy went inside, and they started bouncing. And when they came out, Beckett was gone. Well, they thought, well, he probably just went back to mom and dad. So they go back over to us, and they say, Beckett's not with you? And we're like, no, he was with you. And all of a sudden, it was almost like the world caved in on itself, and I had this sinking feeling of dread. What happened to my son? And everything bad that you could think of came through my mind all at once. Was he uh, play, Did he run out in the street? Did he get hit by a car? Did somebody come and take him? Will I ever see him again? Well, luckily for us, only about 30 seconds of that panic happened. And then here comes Beckett with this young lady. And the young lady is like, well, Beckett came over to me and said, I can't find my parents. And so we said, let's go. I said to him, let's go look for them together. And that's what they did. And he came over and they found us. Beckett did the right thing. But in that moment, I had that experience of losing a kid. And there's nothing scarier than that. And I knew instantly that I would do everything. I would move heaven and earth to find that child. And I think that's what God would do for us. God's love is like that. God's love pursues us. And like the scripture says, there's nothing that we could ever do that would separate us from the love of God. And it goes right into our last Key to understanding God's love is this, that the love of the Father is immeasurable and it demands a response. See, we are the unlovable son. We are not worthy of the Father's love. Um, But listen to Galatians chapter four, uh, verse four. It says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship and daughtership. Because we are his sons and daughters, God sent his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. Since you are his child, God has made you an heir. I mean, what a powerful scripture. And it really resonates with the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son wanted to come back as a slave, but God or the father raised him up to the status of a son again. And so when we come to the father, we're we're coming in, we're like, you know, we are not worthy of you, but God says, yes, you are. You, You are going to be made worthy because I'm going to make you worthy of me. And that's what God did. God came down, he lowered himself, took on flesh in order to redeem us. His son jesus had laid down his life jesus who is fully god and fully human he came to us lived a life just like all of us so that he could redeem us now parents would you not lay down your life would you not give up everything in order to save your child yes you would and that is what we see with the gospel that god loves us he pursues us and he's willing to lay down everything that god has in order to uh, pursue us and and to redeem us. This is the gospel. And you know what? The gospel demands a response. It's not something we can hear and say, well, that's kind of cool. You know, God would come down and uh, lower himself down so we could be saved. You know what? The gospel demands a response. And, And here's what it is. It's a gift. The gift is eternity. The gift is adoption Into the family of God. Being grafted onto the tree of life. And you can either accept that gift. Or you can reject it. But you can't waver in between. It demands a response. And so the gospel is this. Jesus says. um, In order to become. Adopted into the family of God. In order to become part of God's family. We must confess of our sins. Repent. And believe, believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son who has come into this world to redeem us. We must believe that there is power in the cross, that Jesus' blood has washed us clean and has purified us and set us right before God, that we are justified. We are made just as if we had never sinned. That is why we believe, so we can be back with the Father. And so my question is, is this, Have you ever lost that loving feeling? Have you ever lost that loving feeling with another person? I'm sure you have. I'm sure there are people that I I can think of right now, probably about five or six, right off the top of my head. These are the people that I've lost that loving feeling with, that I've given up on just like that older brother has. But I think even a more difficult question is this. Have you ever lost that loving feeling toward God or Jesus? And I can honestly say that I've had that too. And it's terrible. It's a, it's a darkness in your life. It's, it's like God is distant from you. What do we do when we lose that loving feeling? Well, typically it's not God who's moved away, it's us. And so what we need to do first is we need to get on our knees and confess, Lord, if there is something I have done, if there is sin in my life that is separating me from you, reveal it to me so that I may walk with you again. Repent of that. And, and then what you do is this. You begin walking with the Lord every single day. You wake up and you read your Bible and you pray. And you commit yourself to, to coming to church, being part of a small group. Commit yourself to, to giving of your time and your resources. Commit yourself to following the daily disciplines of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, and what you will find is this. Over time, you will find that loving feeling. You know, the truth is, is that we are all willing to give up on other human beings. But God isn't. God loves you despite your mistakes. That is why he has sent his son, Jesus Christ. And so my my final closing thought is this. We've all lost that loving feeling to God and to others, but what would it look like if we as Christians could reclaim love as our defining trademark? If we could look at our enemies and say, you know what, even though I don't like them, I choose to love them. Even though I don't like them, I choose to love them. And and the same is true with God. You know, we could say, you know what, I'm not feeling close to God right now but I'm choosing to love God. I'm choosing to uh, show my love through action, daily disciplines within my life. I'm choosing to sacrifice my time and maybe my resources so that I can have a closer and deeper walk with Jesus Christ. So as we close today, I want you to remember that, that God loves you no matter what you have done, that there's no sin that can ever keep you away from God. How powerful is that? let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much for your word we know that you love us with a love that will not let us go and so lord if there are any sins that are keeping us from you maybe it's sins of relationship that we have maybe we are self-righteous maybe we are judging other people like the older brother or or maybe we're like the younger brother in which we want to go our own way we want to be rebellious whatever sin it is in our lives lord we ask that you will help us to see it and lord we repent of it. We, we don't want to walk down that path anymore. We want to walk toward you. So Lord, we put our faith in you today. We believe in you. We call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that you, Jesus Christ, are the Son of God who has, came, uh, who has come to set us free from our sins and to redeem us. And we thank you, Lord, because there is power in there. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we call upon his name and we ask for forgiveness. We ask for us to be adopted and grafted into the tree of life. We ask that we'll be part of your family. And Lord, we just ask today that you will help us to walk every single day closer to you. By all our actions, by all our steps, help us each day to be a little bit closer to Jesus than we were yesterday. Lord, we pray all these things in your powerful name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.